0: I'm Helen Marshall and this is the Diary of a CLO. I hope no one's listening, but if you are, definitely share it. In this episode, I'm joined by Rob Illidge, founder of both social media agency Social Republic and the new platform Vulse. As a market-disrupting product which harnesses AI to help you master the art of LinkedIn content creation in the world of B2B, Vulse is set to explode in 2023. We chat about founder life, how to lead from the front, and what the future could look like for all of us. Enjoy. Rob, hi, and welcome to the Diary of a CLO. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing?
1: Um, very well, thank you. Um, slightly jet-lagged. Um, love the name of the podcast as well. I think it's it's fantastic. I um, mean yeah thank you for
0: having me as well. Okay yeah we'll see how long we can get away with calling it this and um, we'll see whether we get into trouble or not. Um, so I feel like you're a man with a lot of stories to tell so we'll jump straight into it. Um, you're founder and CEO of Social Republic which is a social media agency based in Manchester and according to your LinkedIn profile at least you're the creator of the next AI unicorn which is vols.co i'm not sure whether i'm saying that properly
1: yeah so it's Vulse. so um B-U-L-S-E, that's right so it's, the idea is that you've got your kind of your finger on the digital pulse ultimately um the name came in about from actually being sued by a big american company for a different name we had um so which you know i think every cloud and all that um you know these things happen for a reason so yeah, you know, we had an, another name originally um Sued by a company who made baby monitors, nothing to do with creating content for LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, they weren't happy. So we went through the process again and came up with Vaults and were very happy with it. But yeah, hopefully the next year go definitely.
0: Excellent. And you just secured funding from, from Carbon Code. And from everything that I can tell online, you're doing great work and you're building a market disrupting product. But I suppose how's it really going? Because um, it must have been tough to get to this point.
1: Yeah, so Carbon Code are one of um, three investors that have invested in Vulse. Um, so getting to that point is, yeah, very much blood, sweat and tears. And um, it's taken around kind of four years of really getting things right, making mistakes and, and learning from them. Um, it For some people, I think I posted about this before on LinkedIn, you know, it, it could take months for some people that they kind of, they've already got like a bit of traction or they just kind of get lucky but generally it takes it takes years to to get there um you, you have to kind of be ready for that process and ready for that journey um it's not for everybody and it does take a long time and there are a lot of no's and there's a lot of um i guess um no neg- negative impact on your uh mental health i guess or kind of confidence um in terms of fundraising you think you know i'm a should I really be on this path? Should I be doing this? Um, but eventually you will get there if you, you, know, if you keep, keep trying. Um, I was warned it would take a long time, and it mm. and it has. Um, but it's nice to see that people do have faith in the product. Um, we spent a lot of time getting things right from a product point of view, and we're not quite there in terms of ready to, to launch it again properly. So uh, we're working on that, and hopefully that'll be in the next kind of few weeks and months.
0: And how, how I guess, how do you balance your time then? Because it, like you say, it takes it takes a long time to get there. You have to have that perseverance. You have to have that resilience to, to keep going. Um, but I imagine, and this is a story I think a lot of founders and entrepreneurs tell, is that you have to pour that blood, sweat, and tears into the business. I saw you post this morning about doing that. And how do you balance your time? How do you make sure you're focusing on the right stuff?
1: I kind of, I started to split my time. Um, before I moved over to Vols, um full-time, I started to split my time 50-50 between Social Republic and Vols. Um, the good thing is that they're both in the same industry, so you're not doing two completely different things, but you're still effectively running two businesses. So I always made sure that during the morning time, it was a focus on Social Republic and making sure teams had everything that they needed and um, working out anything we needed to do and then spent the rest of the afternoon on vaults or, or kind of evenings as well. Um, you do have to sacrifice a lot, um, even if you're just running one business. And I just decided that I was going to sacrifice, you know, personal time and um, things that I, I probably wanted to do um, to get this business off the ground, um, because it isn't easy, easy, and if it were, you know, everybody would do it. Mm. So I've said to myself, like, kind of, kind of for the next three to four years, like I have to make these sacrifices if I want to get to the point that I want to be at. So, um, yeah, you know, extra time, you know, having to sacrifice things and, and setting your own kind of vision and, and kind of time when you'll ultimately kind of tap out and say, okay, I've, I've taken this company as far as I can. And, um, some people want to build them for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Um, whereas, you know, we want to make a lot of noise. want to disrupt and, um, I guess exit, you know, a little bit earlier than, than
0: normal. Mm, yeah. It must be tough knowing knowing what point that is, though. How how will you know?
1: It's interesting. I, I've set like a... I always set like three to four years, but then you get older and you got to say it again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, yeah, in the next four years is was my kind of personal plan. Um, it's really hard in this industry as well because so, something like social media, you can't predict what's going to happen in the next five years as much as you want to you just can't it's it's difficult to predict what's going to happen in the next five months um and even harder when investors come to you and say well what's your plan for the next five years and we ha- whilst we have one you know things could change overnight effectively uh chat gpt kind of did that the great thing about that was that it it raised kind of awareness of what we're doing and it, it kind of got ai and machine learning into the kind of public domain more people were seeing it more people were using it uh, understanding it and seeing the benefits of it um of course that then brings competition but at least then investors are looking at it you know seriously and, and thinking that along the same lines as you are ultimately
0: mm. it's interesting that you mentioned that because in a lot of the conferences and industry events that I'm I've been at recently or I'm going to, AI is something that is mentioned consistently and is being treated as a bit of a, almost like a silver bullet that people, I think they're just attracted to the new shiny thing. And they're like, oh, that's going to solve all our problems. Um, Whereas I guess five years ago, people were very afraid of AI and that I guess it was going to steal jobs and people were going to lose business because of it. But actually now people are like walking down the street holding hands with chat GPT and saying it's a tool that I've got in my pocket to use. And um, and now they're, they're working with it and not not against it. So and I think it is part of that. It's a difficulty of mindset being like, what do you actually use it for? Um, and having that plan of this is this is a useful thing to do with it rather than just this is a shiny thing that we think we're we're going to make use of. Um, what what are some of the biggest opportunities I guess aside from your business that you see with using AI
1: yeah I think aside from the obvious kind of uh, social media content creation which is what we're looking to do and just reducing that time from people spending hours you know using different platforms um, having to go to different resources and it taking them a very long time to do something that is you know quite simple to do and um, but having to go to lots of places to do that. We want to reduce that so they you have one to go to. You know, people, whether they're you know, running a charity or a small business, it can kind of make a lot of difference. You know, rather than spending two hours creating a, a post on LinkedIn, it could be spending five minutes and then getting on with a job that they, they really need to do. Um, I think there's lots of other industries that, you know, I think are going to benefit from it. And I think healthcare is, is certainly one Um you know, I've been looking at a lot of kind of research recently around healthcare and how AI can you know predict things um, faster than we can, and um, you know it can be beneficial for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I don't think people should be necessarily scared of it. I think this is a natural reaction that people have, um, especially in the, in certain careers and certain you know jobs. They think this is going to replace me, and I, I I've said to a lot of people within social republic in particular especially people who are creating content people who are designers, you know, they've, they've actually been really positive in terms of they're thinking, Oh, this can help me so much. Like this isn't going to replace, there's no one that it will never be able to replace them as a, you know, as a person and the job they do, but it's actually going to help them and and aid them and, and speed things up. So we're looking at the kind of always looking at the positives. I think the good thing is it creates a conversation as well. So there's always, you see on LinkedIn, for example, you know, people who are copywriters, um, you know, arguing that it, it might replace their jobs, and the other people kind of disagreeing. And um, I think it's really important to to have that conversation and to see the the positives of it, um, and not the negatives. Um, I think it, you know, it's a great it's a great
0: tool to have. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it will it would replace people's roles if they were bad at their jobs, but if you are using it, like we said, as as that kind of tool and your toolkit to to be like, well, I could I could use it and then adapt what it puts out at the other end speaking about chat gpt specifically then it's yeah it's something that you can work with and not against essentially part of so you mentioned there about how you're framing that conversation with your teams within social republic i suppose part of setting up a successful business and i don't know this because i've never done it but it comes from running a team as well is how you bring people along on with your vision how do you bring people along on that journey what what do you do what, what do you think what qualities do you think you have that help you do that
1: um I'd have to let them tell you that not, not me I might mm-hmm. be a bit biased but um I think having that vision definitely helps um and explaining and communicating to them and it's not a case of you know well we do this as a team kind of once a year At the end of every year we always catch up and say you know what's gone really well this year it's not something that you can do once you know that is a really good exercise to do and ultimately help them develop that vision of yours so um one thing we we do as an agency is just say like who have you really enjoyed working with this year and, and what's been difficult and who would you like to be working with you know next year and you know what does that look like what does that look like for you and it helps bring them on board rather than it just being all about your vision and your company. Um, you know, everyone is part of that team ultimately and they're there. They are there to help shape it and you want them to have an enjoyable experience at the same time. So yeah, I think constant kind of communication and um, when things don't go so well, you know, looking at how we can improve it um, sharing with them what the kind of next three to six, nine months look like. Um, during COVID, I got some really good advice uh, from somebody he said you know what are you planning to do in terms of vision with your staff during covid and obviously it was a weird time for everybody um so we put in place weekly meetings just one-on-one kind of it wasn't about work or anything it was more about you you know your your personal life as much as anyone anybody wanted to share with you just to kind of make sure people weren't going a little bit stir crazy you know if they're living in apartments in city centers and you couldn't go out um and it was just kind of a, a health check and not even to talk about work just to see how they were doing and then replicating that now now we're back in the office um we're now you know kind of mutual really flexible working but um having those kind of sense checks again like once a month just to see how people are doing and what that, that vision looks like for them so saying you know what kind of training do you need um what's important to you um in terms of feedback. So some people love praise, whereas other people, you know, it's not as important to them. Um, asking people what kind of, um, yeah, in terms of training, um, what success looks like to them. And one thing I started to ask people was, why do they stay within the company? So obviously during an exit interview, you always ask, you know, why are you are leaving? You know, what can we do better? But asking staff, why do you continue to stay with the company? Um, and it was pretty, um, unanimous in terms of it was all about the people so it's good to know that we've got the the culture fit right um, and that does take a long time I feel like it's taken like seven eight years to get to get it right but yeah asking people what's their reason for staying within the team um, and I, and how we can obviously keep them for longer and what kind of motivates them as well is it money mm-hmm. is it title is it um literally just getting great feedback from clients and because there's definitely no one size fits all. Everybody's different, even at the same kind of age range. Um, everybody's difficult. Everybody's not difficult. Sorry, everybody's different, not difficult, as I'm going to say. <laughs> it's um, difficult to get it right. That's what it is. Um, but, yeah, I think those kind of monthly meetings now definitely help in having, you know, of one-to-one conversation.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're having quite honest conversations with people as well, which is... I guess it can be refreshing to hear that other companies are doing that. And like you said, you're not saving those conversations for exit interviews. Is that, is that something that's been, well, it sounds like it's been something that's really purposeful.
1: It's definitely helped. And I feel like even though we've been, as an agency, we've been running for eight years, every day is kind of a school day and we're still constant learning things, still finding new ways of, um, you know, improving, you know, stuff morale, I guess. Um, yeah, I think those sort of processes stop you from getting to a point where it's too late. So, if I haven't asked somebody how they're motivated or haven't haven't asked kind of someone why they stay, you know, there might be a reason why they then do decide to leave. Um, so, at least we can kind of get that in early and then figure out a plan for them, you know, have a kind of vision and, and a process for every single member of the team, because... That is always going to look differently. Um, you know, it doesn't. There is no one size fits all.
0: Mm. Are you heavily involved in those conversations? Then would you would you be the one that has a conversation with someone?
1: I do. Yeah, I like to do it. Um, I'm kind of. I do like to be hands on um, and just kind of see. I just feel like that. There, there might be you might miss things if other people are kind of feeding that information back to you. Um, I think it's really important if you're going to lead kind of from the front. I think you, you should be there and not kind of disappear from it all um so yeah i i personally do it um and i'd like to hear from everybody like honestly what they what they actually think and how they're feeling things that are going on in their lives that might affect you know performance you know nobody has to go into too much detail but people are there to kind of are free to share what they need to um and I, I think it helps and i think it works and um we have a great team in place, and I think they're, they're kind of testament to that.
0: Mm, well, I mean, there's lessons in, for, in in leadership from that perspective, anyway. That if you're you're willing to have those conversations with people and and be be present and you know have those touch points with people, that is, it sounds like that's testament to the way that you lead, and therefore people will buy into you and what you want to do with the company more, um, which is really positive, or can only be really positive, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, there's obviously different types of leaders, and um, as the company grows, I think you can kind of go one or two ways. You know, you can still be present, or you can kind of take a step back, and you know, someone else can come and come on board. But I'd like to, I like to be there, I'd like to be present, um, and like to kind of leave from the front um, and show people that you know you still got your kind of boots on the ground, sort of thing, um, and we're all in it together. Um, I'm not just going to disappear. Um, as the company grows so i think it's appreciated
0: yeah i think that i feel like that is also when you found a business as well you have that extra connection to everything that's going on and that's not as a ceo of a company you may have got there through a different route other than founding a business but because you're a founder you have a connection and you want to build that relationship with people um and I see that obviously with our with our CEO at Thrive, he founded the business, he co-founded the business. And it's very similar to to you in that he has his, his has his boots on the ground, he he keeps his feet grounded and he you know has those touch points with people. And it's a great way to to lead a business and to to bring people along on that on that journey. What's your I suppose what's your biggest lesson as a leader? You've you've just mentioned one, but do you have any other bits of advice to share?
1: think um it's always important to kind of keep your finger on the pulse and try and obviously we've had to adapt massively because of covid um i think even just a working from home thing you know it used to be a taboo it used to be somebody's hungover or they're, they're just not working if they're working from home i think that's changed massively, massively which is great um in terms of lessons i think i always try and apply what I thought was beneficial when I was an employee. Um, The only thing is that's changed a lot. So my career started in 2008 where the majority of people would stay in their roles for five, six, seven years. Um, That's changed massively now. There's more options. uh, People want to move around a lot more. So whilst those those lessons still, some of those still apply, um, you have to be flexible and adapt to changes in the industry and just realize that It isn't, I think when you're a founder, it's very easy to take things personally because you think I founded the company and people don't want to stay after, they don't want to stay for 20 years or whatever it might be, but it's not a personal thing. And I think that's the first thing to kind of get over. It's, you know, people want to do different things and have different aspirations, different visions. And if they, you know, are an amazing employee for you for a year, um, then just kind of celebrate that and just realise that, you know, people are going to move on eventually. Um, I think that took quite a while. Um, Always kind of thinking, is it me? Um, You know, is it something I've done? And I think these conversations, these regular conversations do help. You know, I always ask people, you know, what can can I do to improve? What can I do to improve the business? Um, Not that everyone will ever tell you what they honestly think, but you hear stuff on the grapevine anyway, so it's fine. Um, But yeah, I think that would be, my kind of tip would be to, yeah adapt um and and not take things personally and just keep communicating that vision um keep treating people as people and um it it will work definitely
0: Mm. have you so obviously you've mentioned there about looking for feedback from people how how do you give and receive feedback are you are you do you think you're good at that
1: um I, I don't know if I'm good at it I'd like to think so. I think I'm probably really I'm one of those people who probably really good at giving advice but not very good at taking it, I think. Isn't that everyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I think the team I'm in a bit of a difficult position because the team is actually so good. They're just amazing. Um they work really hard. Um and some of them are quite junior, so you know, coming out of university education and going straight into the kind of the deep end in the social media industry can be can be quite difficult, but think we've got recruitment so right and I think keep the team small as well so there aren't any kind of issues there everyone's everyone just kind of gets on with each other and I feel like that if I give feedback it you know it's taken on board um and yeah I think I like to think I, I take it well as you know if anybody if there is anything that I can do to improve I'm always looking for the feedback um because you're not going to get it right every time and again one size doesn't fit all so you have to kind of juggle that as well expectations from different people what they expect um again what motivates them so yeah it's always a it's always a balancing act
0: mm-hmm. and what's uh what's next for you in 2023 then what's your plan now because you've obviously just secured funding you must have big plans but aside from that what else is on the agenda
1: yeah i think the, the funding is is quite substantial you know it's a bit of a strange feeling because you think I've worked so hard to get here. And then when it do- the day arrives, it's com- almost kind of anticlimactic. I think if you secure it very quickly, I think it could be like, you know, the champagne could be out and stuff like that. And for me it was just kind of a glass of wine and that was it. And it's kind of, okay, let's, let's do what we had said we were going to do. Um, I don't want to let it kind of sway us in terms of, making decisions too quickly just because funding is there i think it's important to stick to the plan um not make decisions too quickly um it's a bit of a difficult one in our industry as well because things happen so quickly you kind of do have to be ready to make a decision quickly but at the same time a uh, you know one that is based off some kind of reasoning or data or, or something um but for me yeah 2023 is definitely the year of Vulse. so we're going to see a lot of updates, a lot of changes, a lot of integrations with AI. We're working with the um, University of Manchester. Um, yeah, I think this is the this is a huge year for, for Vols. And again, we've put together a plan in terms of the, all the AI features we're going to introduce for personal branding on LinkedIn and, and employee advocacy and, and things like that. Um, but they could move so quickly. You know, New things could get introduced um, in a couple of months or Um, we want to have five features delivered and ready to use by the end of the year Um, hopefully we can do that before then Um, but again things might change so we have to be ready I guess Um, but I'm very excited and excited to take on board the feedback we've had from the product side Um, we we got around about 2,000 users on board um, earlier last year and just to see what people's expectations were what kind of features they wanted to see how much they would pay for it and what was kind of what value looked like to them so it's gonna be really nice to actually take all of that on board and implement it and then show them again and say look you know we've, we took on board what you said we've done it now you can use it again and um, you know it's a new and improved uh, platform so yeah and then obviously helping people to reduce content creation times as well so Hmm. very very excited about it
0: do you have to so you've mentioned there that you have to constantly adapt to stuff that you you don't know what's coming in a few months time do you have to spend a lot of your time trusting your gut instinct as a result of that
1: yeah I think so fortunately because of the way things are within the industry we usually have a couple of months before things you know there's it's very rare that something like just overnight happens because we're kind of in it. We will see like we can plan a little bit, but there are some things where, yeah, you kind of have to make a quick decision. I think you have to trust your gut eventually um, if you're making very, very quick decisions. Um, but I feel like if you have planned ahead, if you've done a lot of research, if you kind of know what you're doing, then you should be more informed in terms of making those decisions. Um, sometimes you'll make you'll make the wrong one, um and you've got to learn from it but yeah i think ultimately yeah you do have to make those good reactions good decisions
0: how do you how do you bounce back from making bad decisions do you have an example of anything that's ever gone well, you might not want to share it anything that's ever gone wrong that that you you've had to bounce back quickly from
1: um i think a big glass of red wine usually helps <laughs> <laughs> uh to get over it um no so when we started um bolts initially um it took us around about 18 months to really start to integrate properly with LinkedIn's API. Um, And then when we started to promote the product, we effectively found that the people we were targeting didn't really understand the problem as much as some of the users might. So we were effectively not targeting the wrong audiences, but targeting users that would take longer to educate. um, It would take them longer to understand why they needed that product, and ultimately would be more reluctant to spend budget on, you know, a platform that they weren't sure they were able to use. So we kind of had to pivot quite quickly in terms of who we were we were targeting. Luckily, we got that feedback quite quickly, which allowed us to make a decision. Um, we could have still gone down that route, but actually, you know, creating a platform for people who are active on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to grow their personal brands is the direction that we're, we're moving into now. So yeah, you know, as long as you learn from it, it it's not a bad thing. Um, if you learn from it and it takes you quite a while to kind of react to it, then it's not great, but at least you kind of learn from that lesson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, it, yeah, responding, that's, that ties in with how you take feedback on board as well and how you respond to that and how you, I guess, show resilience in the face of stuff that doesn't go right as much as being able to celebrate the stuff that has gone right as well. So, uh, Rob, you've just entered the SaaS space and obviously that's quite a different direction to a Social Republic. How How's your experience been so far?
1: Um, it's been great. Yeah. Um... I think it's really exciting. Um, It is quite different to agency life, but I feel like there is a good relationship there, you know, going from an agency that creates lots of really engaging content and helps with social media campaigns, you know, into creating a platform that people can use. And I've found over the last kind of, I guess, eight years that there are lots of people that don't need an agency, whether they're, you know, a small business or a charity and, they generally don't have the budget to work with an agency or if there's somebody who kind of already knows what they're doing. Um, they just need a little bit more guidance or they need something that's going to speed things up. You can use a platform like ours. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to have a product to get um, and yeah, do something different. Um, so I'm excited to, to grow it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for giving up your time um, and uh, we'll chat soon.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much.
0: This podcast is powered by Thrive. We're a complete learning and skills platform creating modern learning solutions for modern businesses globally. Check us out.